Let us pray. Renewing, refreshing, and make me whole with the love that fills my soul. Lord, may the words on my mouth this morning and the meditations that dwell within us and the love be reviewed by thy holy and sacred eyes and found pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. Amen. Acts 4, 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they wondered and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Channel 2, about three or four weeks ago, had a tape on the news as part of their closing of the news. And it was about two young men, boys, high school, trying to get themselves to school. And they had to take four buses, okay? And at one stop, they got off. And there, the oldest boy saw a homeless person living in a cardboard box out with his cup outreached for change. And in his heart, the oldest felt bad because he had no silver or gold with which to give to the homeless person. And then like Peter, he says, but I have something greater and better because he was raised in the faith and he had the living Christ within his heart. You know what he did? And they were filming this. He kneeled down beside the homeless person, took his hands, and prayed with him. He gave this homeless person something far more valuable and lasting than the silver or the gold. In that moment, he gave him the presence of an Easter Christ. But he took himself as still being ordinary. He didn't think anything extraordinary was that he had done. The news were making a fuss of him. The bus came, he and his brother got on with the boarding pass and continued on their journey to school. I know that to be thought of as ordinary to many of us would be insulting, right? Many of us build our lives and reputation and careers by being extraordinary. A teacher is about to tell the parents of a preschooler, their little princess, their little girl, that she is ordinary. Right? It's a risk of a lawsuit. <laughs> a potential colleague, right? His colleagues, she's up for tenure, and they have to write a recommendation. And they say, he's ordinary. And it dooms him to the outer space of academics. See? Yet we Christians when we confront the fact of the scriptures, that our faith is founded upon the experience of ordinary people, men and women 
who do not shake or shape the world according to the world's terms. Easter does not come to the philosophically wise or to the intellectually sophisticated, do they? Or even to the morally perfect. Nor does it come to the politically powerful and the wheelers of influence and ambition. It comes first to those, the new life of Easter, to ordinary and perplexed people, much like ourselves, who despite our efforts to cover our fears and our anxieties and to hide our ignorance, are really ultimately fearful and anxious and ignorant. If this does not describe ourselves when we are confronted with the most in intimate challenges, then I don't know what does. Acts reminds us that Peter and John were illiterate persons. That, how would you like to have that written for years in the century, that you're illiterate? untrained in the schools, uneducated common men, people from whom very little is expected and more to the point from people who expect very little from themselves. We remember these ordinary people very well indeed. Peter, on whom which we would not want to have our lives depend. And then there's John. John loved Christ so much. And Christ loved him. But he always seemed to be more needy than needed. When you think about it, we look through the scripture and look at the disciples. They didn't have a very good track record. They were not very good disciples in the craft of discipling, were they? They were not very good students of Jesus. They never understood what he was saying. They never recognized him, and they never healed anybody of any suffering, and they never really know what was going on and where things were going. A few weeks ago, if you remember, we found these beloved disciples where? Full of terror, behind closed doors. And today, here in Acts, we see them causing all kinds of trouble, getting themselves arrested, curing the lame, and preaching long sermons, and I promise you this will not be a long one, causing the authorities to confront them and to arrest them and to consider how they might deal with the threat of these ordinary people that they pose. What accounts? for the change from behind closed doors to open boldness. What accounts for the change of circumstances? We can look, and the gospel points out two things. One is the sermon of Peter. He delivers it and preaches about the doings of Jesus Christ, you see, in the world. Here we see in this, Christ invades the world. He transforms the world, and he claims the world for himself. And that is the substance of the gospel. And because of it, those who hear it 
are transformed, emboldened, and encouraged. It is the word that changes and transforms. And that is what we find in the sermon of Peter. Who says that words don't make a difference? Who says that words don't influence people? Who says that the mere words do not turn the world upside down? Words have an incredible power, don't they? For the good and the bad. And to say that this is mere rhetoric is to underestimate the power of words when words are trustworthy and true to the experience. They can transform from the night to the day. They can transform the dead to the living. The second thing happens, right? Peter and John are on the way to the temple. And there is the beggar. He's there every day, like clockwork, with his cup out, looking for gold and for silver. And Peter sees this man, and he says to them, I have no silver or gold to give you. And the same thing could happen to us when we encounter the person holding up the placard says homeless, and he walks down the, uh, the road, and we roll our windows up, pretending that we have no gold or silver, right? But he says, I have something even greater. And he says to the man, he says, silver and gold I have not, but then I give you, I give you, what the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth has given unto me. He touches him and says, walk. He gives him a gift greater than silver and gold. And the man's legs get straight, and his ankles gain strength. And basically, the man jumps to his feet in praise and glory of what God has done through Peter. And he even accompanies them into the temple, right? And he continues to praise God and is jumping around like he's an insane man. And the civil authorities and the priests said, isn't this the lame guy? What's he doing walking? You know? They saw it with their own eyes. And what's the word? They wondered. They wondered at what they saw, and they wondered at what happened to this lame man. You know, we have these two instances. And if we just focus on them, we miss the point, don't we? We miss the point of the passage. The subject of the sermon is not the story of the sermon or the healing. The point of the sermon is the story of ordinary people, Peter and John. Uneducated, common men, illiterate, who because they had been with Jesus, that's what the key authority find out and realize, because they had been with the risen Christ. You know, that is the important phrase where they are transformed. That is the miracle 
not the serving, not the healing, but the transformation of Peter and John. They had been with the risen Christ, been transformed by his living presence in their lives. That's where the boldness comes from. That's where the authority has come from. And that is the power and the courage. And indeed, the joy came from. And that's the power of Easter, the power of the resurrection. The ordinary people are given in Christ a chance to be extraordinary things to do and to take nothing and make something to go from nobody to somebody. Someone mentioned after the first service, you realize that Jesus, all the people he helped, were not the rich or the affluent, the hires up. Why is it that people respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why is it that the poor, the oppressed, the old, respond to the gospel of Jesus at all ages, at all times? It's because they have expectations of transformation. They look to the risen Christ to perform in them that which will transform them and renew them. They desire to know the transforming power of a living, risen Christ because they know that who and what they are, ordinary people, also know that in Christ they will become capable of extraordinary things. Peter denies Christ. Peter lies, right? But he becomes his preacher, his martyr, his prophet. And the rest of the disciples also not simply go on to glory, but they spend the rest of their lives living in the resurrected Christ, witnessing to the whole world. You see, they live fully before they die gloriously. Easter's not just a liturgical experience, but it's an existential experience. It is real. It is here. There is life before death. And we need only to find it on the other side, to experience it fully, joyously, and now. They were uneducated. They didn't have doctorates. They didn't go to school. They were illiterate, common people. And they wondered at them. And they knew that they had been with Jesus. These critics recognized that the power, that the bonus was not their particular gifts or talents or personalities of Peter and John, but it had come from somewhere. They didn't know. They didn't have it to begin with, but they were ordinary people like you and me. But the explanation was that they had been with Jesus. They had caught the infection, the reality of the resurrection, and believed themselves to have the same power that was in Christ. How else could they have said 
Silver and gold I have not, but I give you what Jesus Christ gave me. Walk in the name of Jesus Christ. How else could they have made the proclamation or claim? How else could they have presumed these inarticulate people to proclaim the gospel? So that 5,000 people were converted that day. Don't you wish all of us could preach that effectively? 5,000? We fill this church more. We have to build another church. It's sort of like a preposterous claim. 5,000. How else, my friends, could they be emboldened to stand before the authorities of the church? Where else does this stuff come from? It came from the infection of the risen Christ. Extraordinary people. And think about it. That's why the shepherds are summoned to the manger. That is why the women are summoned to the empty tomb that Easter. That is why fisher folks and the most ordinary people around us are summoned into the ministry and vanguard of Jesus Christ so that through them and through us, Christ might be known. This is the continuing miracle of our Easter, my friends. Not so much that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that's important, but that you and I may also rise, my friends, from death and become ordinary, extraordinary witness to Christ so that with our silver and our gold, we offer something more that the world needs, that we may offer to the lonely, to the lame, to the needy, the power and the love of a risen Christ and Savior that is our vocation as believers, as ordinary people. And it happens to people, believe it, as ourselves. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, yes, in many ways we are ordinary. But yet, through the gift of Easter, the arisen presence, we are capable of many and great things, not for our namesake, but for your glory. We pray that as we live in your world and you present the many challenges that we have, that we may be bold, that we may be confident and do what you ask us to do, such as praying with the homeless man. Take us and make us do the extraordinary and unique things of your ministry. Amen.